Hey everybody, welcome to the Cripes Cast. I am your host, Charlie Barron. This is the podcast where we talk to people for and or from the Midwest. This week, my guest is Penn Holderness, who you probably remember from the Husbands of Target video. Also, he was in the Neighbors After Quarantine video. More on that in a second. I want to begin by telling you a story. And that story is about my New Year's resolution, which is to go on a walk every day without my phone. I mean, I can have my phone, you know, just in case I get like bit by a bear and need to call someone to come help. But anyway, the thing is the phone should be in airplane mode or whatever. So why did I do that? I did that resolution, I think, because, you know, I'm surrounded by screens all day and uh, my brain just goes like kind of nuts because it's just all, I think these, these screens are, it's part of the job. I got to have phones on and computers on whatever. But it gets annoying. So if I go for a walk, I can process information. I can like, I basically get bored when I go for a walk. So I think about things that I only think about if I get bored, whether it be creative stuff where it's like, oh my gosh, I never paid that bill. So I got to go on walks in order to uh, basically function as a human. So it's my resolution to do it every day. And that got me going to different places to walk because, you know, I get bored just walking around the neighborhood or whatever. So I went to this uh, hunting land, which my brother Andy actually found this year. And um, I just went there to walk around, test out my new binoculars. I got some uh, some these nice Canon binoculars, which are, are pretty slick. Got them with a coupon, though. Got a real real steep discount. You know, that's a Midwest thing. Anytime you have a nice thing and you're talking about how you have a nice thing, you have to tell everybody that you got a deal on it it was on sale you bought it with a coupon someone died and you bought it at their uh, rummage sale or what do you call that estate sale anyway got the binoculars out i'm testing these bad boys out okay but as i get to this hunting land i forget i have the binoculars because right away boom i met with fresh tracks it had just snowed i was met with some fresh tracks what were the tracks i think they were coyote And I did confirm that after the fact, but since my phone was off, I couldn't like Google it, which is probably good because I'd be, you know, just not even on like a foot into the path and I'd be Googling all these different tracks. And then I'd be like, well, you know, what does a cougar track look like? And then I'd be like, what does a panther track look like? Even though panthers are not, you know, in the Midwest, I would have to see what their tracks look like because then I, you know, I would go down the wormhole of different tracks. Long story short, thankfully, I didn't need to do that. I just said, okay, that looks like a coyote track. I'm going to follow it. So I'm following this coyote track, and it's walking. It looks like it's in a walking pattern. And then I see it go to a running pattern, which is basically like the tracks are more slanted down in the snow, and and they're, you know, spread, whatever. I don't know if it really was running. It looked like it was running. But then my suspicions were confirmed because as we... Got me and the coyote that was there like an hour before. As we got to the turn in this path, I saw what it was running toward. There were deer tracks walking toward the path, and then it took a beeline the other way. So I watched this coyote chase this deer in the tracks. I was like reimagining the whole deal. Like, you know, I was even singing like the circle of life, you know, and so I had that song in my head. And then I was thinking about, you know, Mufasa telling Simba that the coyote has to eat the deer and then their body turns to grass when they die. And you get the idea. I know that's not how the movie went. Anyway, Charlie, does this story have a cool ending where you like follow the tracks and then you see like the coyote eating the deer? No. Uh, Unfortunately, they crossed a river and I stepped on the uh, river, which was frozen, but this, you should never do this. It was more of a crick. Okay. So give me a break, but I could hear it cracking. I was like, I don't want wet socks today. So whatever. I didn't find it, but I did follow the coyote tracks back to where they came. And I did confirm with the scat that it was indeed a coyote. I took a picture of it. Okay. So photo evidence. Oh, great story, Charlie. What else do you have to talk about? Oh, Wayne Larvey. We did a video with Wayne Larvey, the play-by-play announcer for the Packers. We we had a lot of fun doing this shoot. It was first-time sportscaster, so Wayne played along great. If you haven't checked that video out, check it out. It's on all the Mantuak Minute pages and my pages and all that. Also, I want to thank all of you who have rated the podcast and left a comment. Uh, this is from N. Platin. 1217 saying Cripes cast is the best. I look forward to this every Friday. Charlie always has the most interesting guests and he is such a good man. 
Take care and God bless. God bless you. Thanks for the comment. Chetty Cat says, I've been following Charlie's work for several years now, and he is excellent. The podcast is really funny and real and completely relatable. I'm glad I started this pod. Well, I'm glad you started to cheese, Louise. And then E38 and then a bunch of numbers said, pretty cool to see a Packer who started in three positions. I think that was uh, regarding the Elton Jenkins interview. So... Thanks to all of you who rate the podcast and leave a comment. And a lot of you have DM'd me, and I appreciate that. It, uh, again, it helps guide the direction. And I also want to thank, from the bottom of my heart, the Jolly Good for being a title sponsor of this podcast. Really appreciate you. Today, my guest is Penn Holderness, who a lot of you know from videos we've done in the past, like Husbands of Target or Neighbors After Quarantine. Penn and his wife, Kim, do a, a bunch of hilarious sketches on Facebook. It's the Holder and his family. If you don't follow him, you should follow him. They got a new book out called Everybody Fights, so why not get better at it? Penn and I have a great conversation, and it actually was interesting to find out his background is very similar to mine in that he worked in local news and then, you know, just left to do this sort of internet comedy, and he's had a lot of success with it, and it, it all started with a video that he and his family just did for fun. So it's cool to see his brand come from a very organic place and grow and he's been you know he's been a great mentor and all this he's been doing this a few years longer than i have and great dude great dude uh caught him while he was at Baldhead island he and his family were at Baldhead island vacationing so i do have to warn you the beginning of this interview the audio is a little bit of a pain to listen to just because you have the wind but i promise you seven minutes in i was finally like pen i hate to say it man but can you get off the beach and go inside and can we finish this interview inside and he you know, reluctantly did it. He was like, okay, you're really going to take me off the beach for your interview? I see how it is. But Penn is a great guy. I think you will really enjoy the interview. So I could just keep telling you what we talked about, or you could just listen to my conversation with Penn Holderness. Oh, so you're actually outside right now. I can go inside. I'm at the beach. I could definitely no. go inside. No, this is very, this is very Penn of you. What um, beach are you at? So it's it's the most remote place we could find to get away. We just needed some like new walls. So it's a place off the coast of North Carolina called Baldhead Island. I know Baldhead Island. Oh yeah, my uncle uh, has a place there. You you met him That's, one night. <laughs> that is right. I think I met him here. Yeah. Oh really? <laughs> so well, I met him. Yeah, I remember I met him somewhere, and I could have sworn it was it might because we were here in July. That might have been when I met him. It was at Baldhead Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Well, yeah, tell um, people about Baldhead Island quick. It's it was well, it's really nice. Um, you have to be like very successful to own a house here. So obviously, we do not own a house here. Um, you like you can rent there, but it's you have to take a boat to get over, and uh, and then there's like no cars on the island, which is really nice because your kids can get on bikes and drive around and not get in in accidents with a car um and they can kind of go do their own thing i have a 13 year old and an 11 year old so um you know i i've been sitting out here reading a book for the last hour and a half and it's the happiest i've been probably all year it's just wow like, isn't that crazy like how you work all year you put out amazing videos you do so much and then you know the happiest you are is when you're just doing absolutely nothing yeah, that's you just described it. It's been it's been pretty heavenly. We're leaving tomorrow and I'm I'm sad about that, but uh it's yeah, like it, it just even during a time like this when there was a lot of time to be still. Like we I don't I don't feel like we were very still. No. And I'm sure I'm sure you didn't feel that way either. No, in in fact, I had I was on the road for a, a while and then yeah. got off the road and I was like, "Oh, wow. Well, maybe this will be a time to, you know, take a deep breath and uh mm -mm, haven't even had time to paint my walls <laughs> as you can see." Wait, Do you have those a color are, you like? Right, I was going to ask. So you're asking the wrong guy. I'm completely colorblind. I could ask Kim. Okay. Hey, well, Kim. Yeah, bring Kim on. Let, can let's you get... Sorry. So Charlie is painting his walls. Hi, Charlie. And hey, Kim, how are you? He, he has it here. I'll take this out. Oh, wow. He hasn't had a chance to pick the color of his walls. Yeah, what do you think? Damn. Yeah, I know. They all look exactly the same to me. You know what? I like the, the one, two, three, from where I'm sitting. The third one is kind of like a bright, and it would pop against. The, it's like a brighter, like. Yeah, I don't know brightest. which one you're pointing to, but it's the, it's the second from the right. Good. Thank you. I'm glad we got that taken uh, care of. This um, is real interesting stuff. Hi, Charlie. Hey, it's nice to see you. Very funny video this week, by the way. I don't know if Penn told you I did the exact same one, but 
at the end of it, I gave you a shout out to say, go watch your video. Oh, we haven't but, seen but, that. Okay, but you don't, I mean, there. the idea was not like exceptionally original and I think we did not execute it very well. Yours is probably better. I'll have to go sure watch it. it. So don't. I thought, I thought yours was very fine. I just want to let you know I didn't blatantly rip you off. It was just, we, we both just did not have a very original video idea this week and that's okay. That's what happened. Both of us at the end of the year, we made 97,000 videos and like, I just need one more to put up just so I can go sit on the beach and then that's what happened. So. And that, that's that's what you did. I was in the uh, same mode of thought. So, you know, sometimes you just got to get some out and then relax. I know. Well, you're being productive right now and recording this. So I, I know, I'm impressed. Yeah. Well, thanks. And I'm, I'm forcing your husband to be as well and you oh. to be right now. I'm asking you to pick out colors. How terrible is that? You know, go enjoy your vacation. Well, I mean, at this point, I have to get my kids been watching like TV all day, so I need to go get them like outside in the sunshine. Yeah. So, yeah, Bye. all right, good seeing you. Those are some nice headphones you got. They're twenty dollars, dude. Like it's, I, I just like I don't believe in uh, the like the earbuds. Yeah, um, I lose them all the time because yeah. they, they they either get like stuck under my bed. Like there's, you need like a tail or some sort of thing to tell you where your headphones are. That's a sketch right there is, uh, is a leash for your earbuds. Yeah. You know? that's all this, <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. That's what these are. Like, I, and I don't like to charge them and I don't like, I just, I'm an anti earbud guy. I've lost two pairs and then I just gave up and went back and but they're, these are very cheap now. They're nice and they sound just as good. But yeah. You have to plug them in. That could be a, a funny <laughs> sketch right there. Like, like an Apple ad for like, uh, earbud leash. Is yeah. Or something like that. You know? And all it is is and, it's and just they, the they, normal they, ones. And they cost more. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's right. like an extra add on to have the thing that you can tether. Yeah, yeah. 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 An eye tether. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Do you just do that too all the time? Just thinking of sketches? Can it's, you it's get funny. off that? Yeah. I think like you're, I think you're better at that. You and Taylor and Miles, I can just tell by your content are better at just looking out at the world and finding something and then turning it into a joke. For me, like it's always just been looking at my family and my wife and like what, like what's happening in relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they're not here, I can turn it off, but I wish I could be honestly, I wish I, I could look at my headphones and think of what you just thought of. I think that's like so brilliant. And, oh. and I think that's what like true stand up comedians and comics can do. Um, and, and so I like personally, I would like to think of those more. Well, you shouldn't sell yourself short. You've come out with some just hilarious videos, especially this year. And oh, thank you. And I, I mean, I think you do that because, you know, you, you're just observing your family and I'm just observing your headphones. So it's yeah. it's the same. <laughs> It's the same function. And I mean, you already mentioned that it's been crazy this year. You haven't really taken a break with the pandemic. Did you expect that? I'll just say for me, I didn't expect the amount of demand that would be out there, which makes sense. Everybody's stuck at home. But that was sort of a surprise, even though it seems fairly logical. Same story for you or different? No, it was totally shocking. It was uh, we I mean, we were doing a travel show we, we we met you guys in la and then we went and did a travel show and we came home and everything had been shut down and all of our plans and all the things that we kind of thought we were going to be able to do like travel more do more collaborations with other guys like you know like you and taylor that it all just got shut down and i to me it felt like all of these things that i wanted to do weren't going to happen that was my initial feeling like we were going to get stuck um that we were going to be one of those small businesses that just couldn't they couldn't do anything and then i guess there were just all these kind of contributing factors i didn't think about like the fact that no one was making any content anywhere unless they were doing it in their home um no one in hollywood was doing it there was not you know you you were seeing those great shows that you were used to seeing on netflix or even like broadcast on nbc and cbs and fox and so can I interrupt you for just a second? The, yeah. the wind is starting to uh, Let me go inside. take go hold inside. of your headphones. Okay, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll go inside. How is this? What kind of SPF are you using these days, by the way? Uh, not. Oh, wow. You're um, just, just I'm riding the dice. dirty. I'm riding dirty. <laughs> I'm, I'm using like a moisture. Actually, I'm using a moisturizer that I think is like SPF 15. Okay. Um, but normally, like in the summertime, I'm like Kim cakes me with 
150 or something ridiculous like that. I, I, I like some irrational number. It's like very thick. And it, when you're old and you put it on your face, uh, it, it stays there for a long time. So it's just not as bad in the winter, I guess. That's no, how that math works. I, I hope so. I mean, I, I, if, <laughs> if I can get like sunburned in the middle of December, I'd be pretty psyched about it. Yeah, that, that'll last you a good, uh, you know, rub some aloe on it for a day or two. And then you got a nice uh, tan for your next video. Yep, there you go. Have you learned anything from this pandemic just from creating content that you think is going to stay with you going forward? That's a good question. I think what it's taught us is a couple of things. One, people appreciate consistency more than I more than I thought. Like we we've been doing consistency for a while, but when the pandemic hit and we started doing stuff every day, it was very well received because I think, first of all, I think there was a larger audience than usual because a lot of the things that we talked about, okay, there was no, there, there was less competition. Mm -hmm. the, the people who set up and shoot movies and sitcoms and, and with a lot of people in large crews can't do that anymore because there's a pandemic. You can't be close to each other. You have to, all of your work has to be with your family or people that you know that you aren't going to put at risk of infecting. So that like that demand goes up. And when we started doing that, we started doing more of it. And so what I noticed pretty early on was that you could build loyalty and in a hurry if you if people expected something more often from you and you gave it to them often. Um, the, the other thing, probably the biggest thing I think that Kim and I learned, and we were scared to do this for a long time, and it has nothing to do with the pandemic was that we could start talking about how we really feel about things without worrying about offending people, you know, without worrying about straddling the line so much. I think mm -hmm. we kind of assumed that our platform was 50-50 on the political spectrum, just like the rest of the country, because the country's like that. And right. when, when George Floyd happened, we just decided, <laughs> like, we don't care at this point. This is like where it gets ridiculous and straddling the line is dumb. And this should be, this should go into the no-duh category. Like racism is bad. That should be really simple. Mm -hmm. um, and when we put out our like Black Lives Matter content, which was mostly just we're going to shut up and listen, we were preparing to lose hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, and we didn't. We, uh, I think some people disagreed with us and left. And, you know, those people who left, I, I don't think Kim and I particularly miss them. But um, we, we realized that the people who are part of our community at Facebook are decent human beings for the most part and believe those sorts of things. Um, that has nothing to do with the pandemic though. No, it, it doesn't, but it's been such a bizarre year for a number of reasons. And obviously the you know, tragedy with George Floyd and a number of other instances of Matt Aubrey and, you know, Jacob Blake, and there's just mm -hmm. been so many. And there are certain instances that, you know, when you look back, there's only going to be one way to view it, you know, and but I think a lot of people got tied up into the nuances and there was just so much stretching going on to give the benefit of the doubt. And it's just like it can be as simple as just saying, Black Lives Matter. I think people made it more complicated. People wanted to twist everything into a political deal, but it really isn't political. It's it's just something very simple to say. And, you know, we we did some stuff on the channel as well. And I saw the, what you did. And, you know, you, you kind of think, yeah, if people do have a problem with that, with saying just a very basic fact, then I don't know how you argue it from from their <laughs> side. So, yeah, by all means, you know, leave the fan base. It's but people then wanted to twist into like, you know, you're a Marxist and it's this whole organization. It's like, no, that's not what anybody's saying. They're just saying very simply Black Lives Matter. And that's the starting point. You know, if we can all agree on that, then we can get to a different place. But the fact that as a country, we couldn't agree on that, that, that was troubling to see for me and yeah you know you, you only do the best you can do and i thought you your channel handled that well it's definitely we weren't expecting all this for sure in, in no. 2020 but and and you did a great job too uh, i mean you did a great job with a lot of things i think an, another thing i realized while you're talking because i have add and you'll say something and i'll start thinking about my next oh answer. i have it too this will be a very interesting <laughs> conversation <laughs> i know right i don't know where this is gonna head yeah. i do think like another thing i learned during the pandemic and i think 
Taylor and I've talked about this as well, is that when something is going well, like when you, when you look at your views and your, your content and you see that it's, people are responding to it, you have to just, you have to, I guess the best term is strike while the iron is hot. You have to keep going or right. feed the fire or whatever it is. Um, and it's not going to last forever. And when it stops, you, you know, nod your head and you go back about your business. But this business that you and I are in of content creation, you'll strike oil on the, on, you know, in the view count. Uh, and you won't know why it happened when it happens, but you do know that you have to keep going and not just sit back on it. Um, right. you, you have to keep making like, it doesn't have to be the same thing, but you have to find ways to continue to make content when something good happens like that. And you also can't let like a video that performs well creatively sort of strangle you. you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like you, you can't think like, okay, my next video has to be even better. You just have to think, no, it's like, it's the same thing you've been doing. You just got to get down to work. You got to make the next video because you'll find that next thing that everybody likes. And maybe this is just me, but the most tough thing creatively is when I get into a habit of thinking my next thing has to be so good that I don't put another thing out that's authentic or, or I'm trying to recreate it. I'm not trying to be creative. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, so you and I are, it's, the term is creators. Like it's our job and it's Kim's job as well. She has just as much of a say so in it as I do for sure. Um, in fact, in the idea department, she probably does more of it than I do. I'm like more of a part of the execution when it comes to that. But when, like when you're creating, there's this, it, it's, I think you see it in rock bands a lot of times and actors and directors and movies. Like they, the next thing has to be so great and so much greater and so much greater. And, and your audience doesn't always come along with you on that. Like sometimes they don't want that. Sometimes they want more of the same. Bottom line is you don't really know what they want until you turn on your computer in the morning and see what what's happening. Right, right. Yeah, because you can see a band who comes out with an amazing album and then they take years to come out with their next album. That's not really the business we're in. You know, we've decided yeah. to be in this weekly video creation or in your, I mean, geez, you, your output is crazy for me. I can't, I can't hang with you, I feel, a lot of times. Well, you know? we have a lot of help. Like, uh, like I said, Kim does a lot of the, of the ideation and then I, I kind of am the one on the hamster wheel doing the shooting and the execution. And a lot of times, I know you and I both edit, I do a fair amount of the editing. Um, but we also, like, we, we got help. We hired a, a content manager and she helped me write music. And she's not normally a parody music writer, but she would get it started and I would take a draft and I would fix it up. And between like compilations and medleys, we wrote 156 songs this year. That is <laughs> that that is mind boggling. I mean, I put out I put out a an album this year, and that was one where I spent so much time mm -hmm. doing it. But it it wasn't necessarily the way you were doing it in that. And I liked the way you were doing it because it was boom, this is trending. This is a song, you know, yeah. this is a parody thing, and. It was just the machine you created, whatever that system was, you and her, or however it went. It, I mean, it's really remarkable. You can't do it by yourself. You cannot I, do it yep, by yourself. Yep. Like, that's the crazy part. No, I am better executing too. I, I sometimes have a hard time just coming up with the idea or I guess believing in the idea initially. But once I know an idea is good, I, I can like dive in and like write it, I guess, or execute it too. So it's just funny which parts of the creative process you can get hung up on and when all goes to hell do you just go back to like writing out a bunch of ideas until you <laughs> strike one or what do you do when you're in those kind of dark and i say dark sort of it's not that dark but what do you do when yeah. you're stuck creatively no so well, what you're describing is it's like the doldrums right you go because you're used to a certain number of views and it, when it's our business there it, there's monetization that comes to that so you can tell you and i can tell instantly if something is working or not. I can right. usually tell in the first hour if a video of mine is, is going to work or not. Sometimes there's these slow rollers and that, I, I'm not sure if people who um, who watch our videos are aware of that, but it's just this like very, very quick, like, oh, that worked, oh, that didn't. Mm -hmm. And so when you get to those points where things aren't working, a lot of times if it's, so two, one of two things happen, either if it's, if it's one of my ideas and it's not working, I start leaning more on Kim for like the execution to put her in front of the camera. Like there's two of us, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's time that, that we try this. 
And that doesn't always work. Sometimes it's something that Kim's done. And so like, okay, let's get back to doing some more music. We have this partnership. It's a push and pull of like, who's having the most influence on something that's going on out there. Or if we're getting ideas from viewers or from, you know, members of our team, or if like someone else is shooting it or editing it, we say, let's go back to something really basic and just make it the two of us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot of times that works really well because it, it gets back to what the authenticity is. But in any case, you just keep going. Um, right. and, and, and it's, it's, it's a, in a lot of ways, it's throwing darts. And if you're, I'm not that, I'm an okay dart thrower. You get to be a better dart thrower, but every once in a while you're going to miss the spot and you just keep throwing. Right. And that is the other hard part is, I, I mean, I've talked to Taylor about this. He even mentioned talking to you about this, but you know, basically when you put out a video and you're like, oh, this can do awesome. And then it doesn't do well at all. You're, you kind of doubt the whole thing. You're like, oh, can I? What am I doing? Can I, right. Yeah. Can I continue doing this? Is <laughs> it, you know, you kind of have that imposter syndrome a little bit. Probably not you as much since you've just been doing it for so long. But I've definitely had that quite a bit. And it's, I just got to get back to it. what you can control is what you create. So just get back to creating yeah. is sort of how I see it. Well, if it makes, if it makes you feel any better, uh, we almost quit this whole thing in February. Like we, like we wow. had, we had like a two or three month low point where we're just thinking like our viewers just, they're not getting it. Um, and it was, we thought it was really good content. We thought it was some of our best content. And, uh, you know, the, I mean, we were going to keep doing it, but it was going to be some other form of it. Like, but we were going to find something else to do. Um, Kim, Kim had started looking into, you know, doing like kind of diversifying and doing this uh, intermittent fasting thing, which is actually going pretty well. You know, we'd written this book. We we're thinking maybe we should just write. Maybe, maybe I could, you know, I, who knows? Um, we were making ends meet, but it, we got to that point where we're like, what, what are we going to do? And that wasn't the first time we felt that way. We've been doing this for seven years. Probably every year we look at each other and say, is this working? Mm. And, and then we keep doing it. And then something hits and it resonates and, and we keep going. And honestly, like, here's a crazy theory, right? A lot of our best stuff was written when we thought it was over. Yes. Yes. Like I when we thought we were screwed, when we were desperate, like to put something out there. I 100% agree with you. That's happened to me at least twice as well. And I think what we're hitting on is that reinvention because yeah, you're not the same you know, you're doing, you're in the same neighborhood of what you started doing, but you've gone through so many iterations. You've found so many other things that work, so many different buckets of content that if things aren't going well, you can go to that. And then when you exhaust all those buckets, that's when you innovate and you create a new bucket and then yeah. it re-energizes the other ones. At least that's how it's worked for me. But it's funny how each time you would think I, I would learn this, but it's, it's not that you're done and you should stop doing this it's you should get creative with it or desperate because mm -hmm. maybe that's where the best ideas just need I, to come from no I, I think desperation is part of it like whether you outwardly like we didn't outwardly admit that to anybody you know we mm -hmm. we or even our team members but kim and i you know we, we go on walks and we're like are we canceled like are we <laughs> are we done are we done does are, are people done with us and if that's the case, we've always agreed, like when that happens, we're going to high five each other and go work at Starbucks and say, I can't believe I spent however many years of my life doing this because it's the most fun job you can possibly have. It um, is. And then and then you get desperate and <laughs> something happens. And I don't think that's luck. I think that's desperation works sometimes. Yeah. And you also have just created an incredible, you know, sort of backlog of ideas and skills and everything. I mean, it's instinct at this point. It's almost like your body knows what you need to do or your mind knows what you need. You just need to get out of the way and let it yeah. go and yeah. um, let it do its thing, you know. But you're start in all this is actually somewhat similar to mine. You started in local news, right? Yeah. And it's so funny. I didn't realize that was your deal. Um, yeah. until, until I, like I, last night I was like, I haven't really researched Charlie. Um, <laughs> and we, it's it, it, cause I, I may have been at the Republican national convention in 2008. I can't remember. I started in sports and I switched over to news either in 2008 or 2012. Can't remember which one. Which, but, um, where'd you start? Where'd you start? My first, I, I, well, I started in Grand Junction, then I moved to um, Orlando, then uh, New York to work for ESPN, and then back to Raleigh. And then Raleigh, I spent a ton of, that's where I still live. 
I was a sports guy for a while and then I became a news guy. And now I'm thinking about it. I think it was like 2011 when I became a news guy. So that would have been the Republican convention in Tampa. I was so, there. Yeah. I was at that one as well. Yeah. Uh, actually not working for MTV at the time, but a different company. Yeah. Which was like that. That was bonkers, by the way. I did. Yeah. I did. A, and but so Kim was a news reporter who made it up to Inside Edition and was doing that show, which is like I, I realized uh when we were living in New York, like no one watched it there, but everywhere else in America, they watched it. And she was a reporter there and got sick of all the travel and with the baby and we decided to move home. And then the babies got old and I got really sick. You remember this, of the hours. Like if you have a kid and you work from three to midnight and your kids go to school, you never see them ever. And so Kim started this production company that, you know, we were gonna do just like, I was gonna shoot and edit and do like, you know, real estate videos for people. This was before you could just put your own stuff on YouTube. No one knew how to use a camera. So you could make a little money like making promotional videos for companies. And we promoted it with this Christmas jammies video that we made and then accidentally figured out, oh, you can do this for a living now. It was like the very early influencer period. Like you can get a brand deal, like putting a video on YouTube. And so we, uh, we, we kind of pivoted that way and we still do some promotional videos for companies and like all right musical ad campaigns and stuff because the company that we formed still exists but like 95 percent of the work we do is on our channel well and that first video you're talking about didn't you just make that for family and friends at that yeah point? I mean, yeah it was meant to be for family and friends but we put it on youtube with the hope that like they would share it and then maybe we would get some leads okay work. okay got you so what year is that again 2013 2013 so seven, year, seven years ago yeah okay so you had quit the news business at this point? I put in my 30 days notice and I, the video came out on YouTube my last week working at the station, which made for a really interesting environment. That's so interesting. I want to touch on what that was like in the newsroom in a second, but uh, I put in my notice at my news job oh, really? and then it was 30 days. And like, I think two weeks into that 30 days, the man to minute took off. So it was bizarre too. Cause I had a show that had sold on paper and ended up not going anywhere, but I was just going to focus on that. And then the man to minute took off. And, and so that's so funny when you almost leap and the, the safety net kind of finds itself or that's a terrible analogy. It's like in Indiana Jones, when you're just supposed to walk and then the path like appears, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Better oh, analogy. Yeah. yeah. Go to Spielberg for the analogy. So, but anyway, back to you, you're working at this news station, you put in your 30 days, but then you become the news basically. Yeah, it was weird. So they, our general manager didn't really know how to handle it because he thought, I'm far away enough that I can say this, he thought it was like an F you to the station, which it wasn't. It was me quitting my job to like work with my wife. and. I shot some of the video in the newsroom and the news director walked by. I'm like, yeah, I'm shooting my Christmas video. I had actually shot one the year before, which was kind of similar. That didn't get as many views. It was our Christmas video for our family. And they put it on their newscast. They're like, this is so cute. Our, our sports guy, or our news guy, this is the video he did for his family. And it's on YouTube now. Isn't that nice? It's a musical. We didn't know you could sing, Ben. And um, this time around, we were getting like interview requests from you know this, like from CNN, NBC, Today Show, Good Morning America, it was kind of blown up everywhere. They would not let me go on anyone else's air to talk about it, and they would not talk about it on their air. They refused to mention it. And at one point, the news director brought me in and asked me to take it down because it was causing a distraction. Did you show him this finger right here? When he asked. Uh, I, I, to, I told her that I was going to talk to my wife about it, but I knew what she was going to say. I just wanted to give it a little bit of time. I called her. She's like, what's going to happen? Are they going to fire you? And I was like, they might. And she goes, you have two days left on your deal. Right. Who and cares? I was like, this is really easy. So I walked in. I was like, no, we're not going to take it down. She's like, okay. And they didn't do anything. Um, but it was kind of, a, it was an uncomfortable ending. Yeah, I can see that. And honestly, I had, I had, my time in local news was a little bit similar. I mean, there was some creative energy that was okay there, but it's just a, it started off as like sort of a comedy news show. And that's why they brought me in. It was a mix of comedy and news. And then it went right back to traditional news. And I, so I was kind of, it was in Dallas. I was a anchor there at, on the evening news. Oh, wow. But I feel like local news 
and I've got a friend in local news right now and like, you know, he's got a, uh, his Instagram handle and they in the contract have access to his Instagram and they have access to his Twitter and they sort of maintain that and control that, tell him what he can and can't do. And it's sort of coupling that with your story and, and sort of my experience in local news, it seems like some stations, not all, had a really hard time adapting to new media, not knowing how to handle it. Because if you look at your story, that would have blown up the station. It would have done, you know, good things for the station. It would have been good press, right? That's what I thought. That's what a lot of people inside the building thought, but that wasn't the decision that they made. You're, I mean, you're so right about, about what you just said. There's, I mean, when the way that local news used to be was they own you. They own your IP. They own everything that you say. They, they put, they, they signed you to a very restrictive contract. I got to tell you, anyone who wants to go into local news, it's the most restrictive, unfair contract I've ever signed. And most of my friends who are lawyers, they look at it and they're like, what are you doing? And the answer is back then, the supply demand curve was so ridiculous. Everyone wanted to get into it. They could enforce these rules. I don't know that local news is as popular anymore now that there's other creative outlets and ways to express yourself. But like that story about your buddy, like that's that's the way it is. An Instagram feed you should own at all times, right? Of course, anything with your name on it. I mean, there, there, there are people all over the place that are doing things that are unique and original. And if you work for a company that owns you for it, it, it can be crushing to you as a human being about how to get out of that. And so that's one of the reasons I'm glad I'm not doing that anymore. I'm sure you are too. Yeah. Oh, very glad. And, and look, I will say two things. One is that local news, I think, is a very important place where people can do local journalism. If that's what's being done it, and not just regurgitating like national news. I mean, a lot of what we did, honestly, was like taking stories that were already written, rewriting them in sort of a comedic or or just a newsy way, a, a more standard news thing. And there wasn't a lot of real journalism being done. But I think local news is most powerful when it's, you know, keeping politicians and, and state senators, all that sort of accountable, stuff accountable yeah. Yeah. and finding those stories that people aren't talking about. That's its purpose. But I think when it, you know, drifts into this realm of like entertaining and trying to figure out social media and all that sort of stuff and not really focusing on the news, but building their brand. That's when it just strikes me as that's that's what turned me off to it. And yeah. those contracts are absolutely <laughs> it's asinine. But, yeah, there's no protection because I think people get into local news. They don't have the best agents or whatever. And that's just not the, you know, sort of the um, mentality of local news is that you pay you your dues. Work your way up. Yeah, it's tough. It's a tough biz. Was news for you a shadow career? That's a good question. Probably. Like I, I definitely, any, anywhere I went, um, if I was the sports guy or the news guy, there was always some sort of creative outlet that I had to have to make, to make it work for me. Um, I had a music background, but it was undeveloped compared to like a real good musician. But I, I always wanted to do something in, in music and, and performance. I, I also enjoyed comedy. But I, I, again, like I wasn't like you, I wasn't like a trained, like skilled stand up comic. Um, and then I think that what happened is YouTube and Facebook and like auto tune and logic and all of these things came along that could make me seem passable as these things. You know what I mean? Um, the 15 second sketch, the 30 second sketch, the parody video became something that you could make with a phone and with a computer and not much else. Like you didn't have to be weird Al and have an entire crew that shut down, you know, a city street for a week to shoot, eat it. Mm -hmm. um, and so like th th it came to this confluence where there was this platform where I could do it and it was easy and I could, and I could do it, you know, because of everything I learned in local news, I knew how to shoot and edit and I knew how to do it quickly. I knew how to do deadlines. And, um, and then I, I kind of got into what I loved. So I hope that answers your question. I, you know, it's funny. I just answered that without knowing what a shadow career is. Well, well, no, I think, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty basic. It just means you're doing something tangential to what you really want. Okay, good. Yeah. Know? That's what I was guessing. So yeah, no, <laughs> but, totally. I but, but I will say that that's the cool yeah. thing about local news since I just took a lot of time to, uh, you know, uh, crap on it. But I, uh, I think local news is good in the sense that it, 
teaches you to shoot, teaches you, you like, mm-hmm. they have no money. So you have to one man band it. You got to do, do it everything. all yourself. Yeah. And so you learn so many skills. And in <laughs> the nice thing also is nothing needs to be perfect in local news because everything's live and then you forget about it, you know? Yeah. And so it's just getting it done. And I think that's the thing that we are doing to this day is just every week getting it done, you know, and things are not perfect in any of my videos. And I, I assume the same is for you, but it's it's good enough. You know, it's I don't it, think the perfect videos do as well. I think it's know. better when I think it's better when they're imperfect. So like, if, you know, you can have perfect timing or you can have a joke that lands really well. But the. It, 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 you know, the, the really glossy, fancy, high production videos that we do, those don't perform any better than anything else. We just do those because we feel like making a fancy video. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm sure it's the same way with you guys. Yeah. People seem to relate more to the kind of grittier stuff sometimes as well, depending on the content. Oh, geez, please, folks, I hate to interrupt the interview, but I do want to give a special shout out to our podcast title sponsor. That's the Jolly Good Soda. Jolly Good, as many of you know, is my go-to soda for Brandy Old Fashions. If I can recommend you do one thing this week, if you are over the age of 21, it is the following. Okay, make yourself a snow fashion. That's where you go out in the yard. Get yourself some fresh snow. Make sure it ain't yellow or nothing. And then bring it in the house, okay? Muddle up your cherries and, and your bitters and all that in a separate cup, okay? Get your muddling potion down. Dump it into the snow on the top and then put some brandy in. Now, that brandy will tap down the snow quite a bit, so make sure you get extra snow. More snow than you know, and don't you know, it'll be an amazing snow fashion. We're going to do a video on it, folks, because holy smokes, I had one of them, and there is nothing better than a fresh old-fashioned with a jolly good floater use the sour power okay that's what i always says for for old fashions you know get that little sour kick going in there a little sweet little sour oh geez louise it's good blends with the brandy and the snow and big thank you to jolly good for sponsoring the podcast and folks, I want to tell you about Cheese Brothers. Now, if you're trying to connect with your loved ones during this COVID deal uh, and you can't do it in person, give them the gift of love. Send them some cheese. And Cheese Brothers has a hundred years of family experience delivering great cheese from local Wisconsin farmers right to your doorstep. When you use Cripes 10, that's Cripes 1, 0, you get 10% off your order of Cheese Brothers cheese. So head on over to Cheese Brothers real quick once and keep her moving. Charlie, what is the website? So glad you asked. It's cheesebros.com. That's C-H-E-E-S-E-B-R-O-S.com. Use the promo code CRIPES10. You guys have a book coming out. What's that all about? Thank you for asking. Uh, yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's called Everybody Fights, um, So Why Not Get Better At It? And it's um, it, it was based on the 10 worst knockout drag out fights that Kim and I have had as a couple. And we took them to our friend, Christopher Edmonston, who I've known for 20 years. He's, he's the pastor of their church. I'm not super Christian, but I'm, I go to church. Mm-hmm. And he, he just happens to be like a very down to earth guy whose kind of main focus and main specialty is, is marriage counseling. And he's able to do it in a, in a very non, here's what the Bible says way, just because like my dad was a preacher and I just reject anytime someone says, well, here's what they say in the Bible. Like, no, I want to know what to do with this relationship. Right, um, right. So while, while the Bible actually teaches some great lessons about that, it was, he, it was like a, more of a, like a secular lesson in all these fights. Uh, and so we, we, we each kind of give our piece on what happened in the fight. And sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're pretty serious. And then we don't talk about who won the fight. We talk about how to get through it and how to meta-communicate and take a 30,000 foot view of the fight and what went wrong. How, like, when did this escalate? How did I stop making sense? When did she stop making sense? And there's all these like new kind of tips and tricks. We call them magic words that you can say or do to kind of de-escalate when you're in the middle of a fight um, that will actually, when it's over, you'll be closer to your partner than before the fight. Because when you fight, it's when fighting is when you realize each other's vulnerabilities and priorities and like what's really important to you. 
you just like your brain, you're in the, in the kind of caveman fight or flight syndrome where literally like the broke up part of your brain stops working and you can't speak well. And so you, you always screw it up unless you like really take a beat and think about it. So that's what the book's about. It's like very different from the stuff that we normally do. We do talk about like, you know, laugh at our relationships uh, sometimes. And, and we try to laugh at this, but in the end, like fights can get serious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are some of those magic words? Or do we have uh, to buy the book to figure it no, out? No, 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 not at all. Um, uh, uh, tell me more is probably the most important one I've learned. Um, if, if you're in the middle of a fight and someone's done talking, um, instead of like just being ready with like one locked and loaded to go back at them, uh, I hear you and tell me more. And then like the, the biggest one is when, when you go back at someone, instead of saying you always or you never, which is never true, you always and you never, never works. No one always does something and no one never does something. It's just a way of you like jumping over to hyperbole. Um, instead of using that, use the rest of the sentence you want to, but start it with I feel. Hmm. Uh, because your feelings are your feelings and they don't belong to anyone else. Uh, and you're not putting words in anyone else's mouth. And so the, your feelings have to be respected and validated. Interesting. And do you find that since you've written this book you've gotten in any bigger fights that should have made it into the top 10 uh it's so funny we like we had an add-on because we did the audible um oh, okay. version of the book and yeah. we got in a, like we got in an argument the day before and we and it's great because when you do an audible version of a book you can just add whatever the hell you want yeah and so we we, we did get in another fight about um oh my god it was so stupid it was so stupid, Charlie. I don't know if I remember what it was about, but it led to her like walking down the street, like 50 feet in front of me. Well, <laughs> like we were, we were, we were on a walk. Um, and I, I, I used the words incorrectly and we solved it pretty quickly and just kind of talked about it later on. I think I told her, I told her something that wasn't true because, uh, she, because I, I needed to get out of the house and I said, I was going to do one thing. And I wasn't like cheating on or anything. I just went, I left the house and I went somewhere else and I made the decision to go somewhere else after I left. And it, the, the, the question was, why would you, why would you lie about something so lame? And at the heart of it was, I feel pent up and, and hold in. And she's like, why didn't you freaking say that? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that was what it was. Yeah. I felt like at about three years we started seeing the things that were going to become problems and we worked our way around them and kids happen and they help you work your way around them and then at about 10 years we started going to counseling and writing this book and finding out ways to kind of get around it and then it's been about five years since then it's been about five years working on this book or at least kind of like how to talk to each other we know each other better in the last five years than we've ever known each other just because we're learning how to fight and talk to each other. What I like is it's very cool how you both can use your creativity to kind of come closer together in all of this. And so you're not just working on your career, you're working on your marriage and your family yeah. too. Yeah, but it's, I mean, that's also a lot. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, what is, we've been a, is that, a, that that's probably the source of some of those fights, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, so there's this, there's this other part of the book that, Christopher taught us about called secret contracts. And they're these little things that you kind of wink, wink, like that's going to be what you're going to do. Right. And so we've sometimes secret contracts are bad. Like for her, she had a secret contract that she just always changed the toilet paper. Like no one in the house, if the toilet paper runs out, like I will wipe my butt with like tissue paper. I'll, <laughs> I'll do like the, like the, the pants down, like waddle into the kitchen to get paper towels like before <laughs> I, place the toilet paper because i know it's going to get replaced and so we found out like that was something that she wanted to say out loud like i want to amend this i don't want to be the only one who does this I'm like, mm -hmm. okay sounds good you never said anything but one kind of contract that we have with each other is when kim goes to her room or close and closes the door because she's an introvert like that she may as well be on another planet i don't walk in and ask her about work i don't you know she's she's got a space where it's like that is her spot that we i'm not going to bother um, because parenting and marriaging and working together at the same time, if you don't have a spot like that, you're in deep doo-doo. What's um, your spot? Uh, I go play tennis. Nice. I go like, I, like there's a place I can walk to it. It's like 200 yards from my house. There's a ball machine I can hit. I can call someone like we, I have some friends will be out there, but I just, I do that. Um, and you know, at, at first she was like, why is he 
playing so much tennis. And then I told her, I was like, this is how I get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> this is how I, I move on to something else. So um, we both like have a thing that we do. And if we didn't have that, dude, we would kill each other. Yeah. Because we're <laughs> right. around each other all the time. Right. I, I would imagine there are some fairly dead tennis balls over on that court. Uh, I hit it, I, I'll hit the ball hard sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> how many rackets have you broken? Uh this is uh, plenty. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of small strings, not rackets, but I'll bring it on strings. Do you do you think you're going to take this on the road? Like some people write a book and then they go like do a maybe marriage classes or or like a stand-up yeah. show or anything like that. Do you have any plans of doing that? It's funny, like while we were researching the book, one of the things we did was we went to a relationship seminar with Dave and Rachel Hollis. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but Rachel Hollis wrote the Girl Wash Your Facebook and she's a fantastic person. Dave's a fantastic person. And we went to their relationship seminar and we got, went away from it saying like, this looks like a ton of fun. Like we love the fact that you could, I'm sure you feel this way too. Like I would love to be able to connect directly with somebody instead of uploading it and waiting for someone to hit a like button. Right. Um, so we would, we would love to do that. It was when we went to that one, it was interesting because we went because we had had them on the podcast and we wanted to see kind of how they did what they did. I, I would say that like 99% of the people there were in like their marriages were in real trouble. So this, like we would have to find some way to do a, a couple group for people who, because our book's not for marriages that are in trouble. It's for marriages that are in good shape that just need a tune up. Um, so I would love to get your opinion or anybody's opinion on how to make that work because I mean, we could probably include some music. We probably could include some entertainment and, and also some helpful tips and maybe create an environment where you can get closer to your partner. I would freaking love that. I just don't know how. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When I started, I did stand up and then um, I had the man's walk minute. It took off. And so someone said, do you want to book a show? And basically, if you have a following, you can book a show and it's not mm. that big of a deal. So you could definitely book the show. But I didn't have enough stand up chops to do a full stand up show. So I kind of did a hybrid. I got a keynote and used images and kind of told jokes in sort of like a <laughs> late night TV monologue way, because I knew that as long as the images were there, I could a remember remember what my jokes were and also be a, it, it's a cheat for the jokes you know it helps them hit more if there's an image that goes along with it so I think you know I mean it, that's certainly in your wheelhouse and also you have this music component but I bet you could definitely do a killer live show and it doesn't even need to be like focused on relationships or whatever it can just be that that can be the takeaway but I think sometimes people are hesitant to go to a thing about relationships perhaps so maybe you you know it could be an easy you know bring bring the family or whatever and then there can be some undertones that people can take away from them you know you, you have a cool dynamic and you also have songs which can eat up some time because you can set up the song <laughs> yeah. you can play the song you can go from there so if you really like that auto-tune thing you just put that on your voice <laughs> and you can t-paint it so no there's a lot of cool ideas you could do with that I, so it was funny because we have we've talked to people about it, but it always ends up it's a little bit of a I don't know if you've ever had one of these cyclical arguments where it's you can do this. Just, you know, what would it be? And then we would say, let's we want this, but also this, but also this, but also this. And then it becomes like a million things. And then all of a sudden it's nothing. Yeah, I agree. And I will also say it's a lot of time to write that initial show. And, mm -hmm. you know, but if you do invest it, the nice thing is it's rinse and repeat. And you can do it a lot yeah. of times. You can sell merch there, the whole nine. But, you know, you also want to say, do you want to be on the road for X amount of time? Or do you yeah. want to write an entire show and then have a pandemic happen? And then you're, uh, <laughs> oh, you're out, sorry. out some cash, you know? But How many shows did you have that you had to cancel? 70, 80, something like that. Oh so, yeah. And that's that's just part of that business. And, you know, yeah. I may get some of those back once this whole thing's over. But I definitely have to write a new show. The show I was doing doesn't make sense in this new kind of world. So That's really funny. I kind of would like to see what it's about. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll send you a link. I've got some it's, of them. Uh, like everyone's just shaking hands and hugging and licking each other. And <laughs> like the, the world is traveling going going to different places it's it's a much different place actually i forget who i was talking about like doing a video when the pandemic's over it's just you know getting back to like putting your mouth all over the bubbler again and not worrying about it 
or the water fountain. I guess that's how you say. <laughs> wait a minute. I was like, wait, what's you said? Bubbler. I'm like, that's not the thing. I know that, on the water fountain. Isn't that's a device you use to smoke weed. I need. <laughs> I need my Midwest translator over I, here. I know. I know. What advice do you have for people who want to do what you do? It's similar. It's similar. It's so funny. Uh, Taylor and I have the same exact kind of mantra when you're making a video or putting some content together. Like you, you ask yourself, is it something that people don't normally see? Is it shareable? Um, like would, would someone share it with somebody else? And do you like it? Like, do you as a person like it? And if the answer to any of those questions is no, then you, you shouldn't, you should keep thinking and try mm. something else. Like try to make every piece of content unique and something that people will talk about. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times the first step to doing that without knowing it is just you liking it and being yourself. People might share it without you realizing it. If it's very much yourself, it's very you. Um, people might really like you um, if you're just you and you're not trying to be somebody else. Uh, so that's, that's one tip. Also like marry someone who, um, is smarter than you and will come up with all of your ideas for you. She just, <laughs> she just walked in by the way, which yeah. worked out, which, which works out. I well. saw the door open. Yeah. I saw yeah. the compliment come out yes. and I knew there what was is. going on. Oh, look at you. See, no, like, honestly, like she would have been a, a, a she would have been probably a better interview than me <laughs> for this because anytime someone asks like, where do the ideas come from? Like, it's just her. Like she'll, she'll say, you ever think of blah, blah, blah. Uh, like whether it's a, a, a new venture or whatever. And it's just, I'm just the hamster in the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a village for sure. Yeah. But aren't those ideas when you like, when a good idea comes out of her mouth, you're just like, Oh, I got to yes. leave. Yeah. No, so I don't back. even say anything. No, you're so right. She'll say something or we'll be in a meeting and I'll just leave. Oh, really? it used to be rude. And now they're like, Oh, he's going to, he's doing his thing now. So I guess we'll, <laughs> we'll see him later. It and if it's, and if it's really good, it takes like 15 minutes to write and you're done. It, See, isn't that funny? It just flows out and then it's like, boom, done. Because it's these are not that long of videos, but I think that's the other thing. When you're sitting there like thinking for hours and hours about it, you're doing something wrong. You know, you got to go yeah. like swim or go do whatever or have a brainstorm and, and get some fresh in. My dad used to throw his sermons out uh, after three hours. He's like this. OK, I'm, I'm spending too much time on this. Oh, man. And then he Which, just just off the cuff. Did he throws him away. Just... starts over? Oh, yeah. No, he would, he would start over. Um, so he would, he would write them on, uh, Friday and a lot of times he'd write them at home toward the end. And so he, he, he would see him go away. And sometimes he'd be back in like an hour with just bullet points. And those would be like the best ones. But I guess the idea is if you're spinning your wheels for that long, you're not really being truly inspired. Like the, the definition of inspiration is something that's already out there waiting to be discovered. Not something that you have to conjure out of thin air. And so it should be easier. That definitely it's, it's, it gets back to that observational thing, you know, it's yeah. because that's what everybody can relate to. If you're observing it, other people are observing it. Yeah. You don't have to get hyper creative and, and reinvent the wheel. You know, you want to have a conversation with people, not sort of talk at them, I guess. Cool, man. Well, Hey, this has been a ton of fun. Thanks for, you know, doing this on your vacation. Now go hit the beach and, uh, enjoy a run or something. No, I'm going to sit back out in that chair where I started <laughs> and I'm going to read my book about asteroid mining. <laughs> that's what I do. That was my third guess on what your book was about. What were the first two? Well, I, I had, I don't know, one about uh, driving a car through space. We'll just call it that. <laughs> I don't know. Close. Another about deep sea exploration. <laughs> yep. And then asteroid mining was the third. Yeah. Uh, I My list of books I've read are like, I can start telling Kim about it and she'll fall asleep in the middle of my first sentence because they're all like, it's the name of the genre. It sounds like, it sounds kind of creepy. It's called hard science fiction. Yep. Sounds the name, a little creepy. Is the, yeah. is the name is the name of the books that I read. And I, it's hard when, when you walk into a store and say, I'm looking for hard science fiction, like someone always kind of. That's in the soft core section over there, sir. Yeah, yeah you're, I think you're in the wrong kind of store. Um, but do no, listen, it's been a pleasure. And I want to say, um, you've like spent a lot of time saying nice things about me. Like we have so enjoyed your content and also all, all that you've done for social justice. And I think like what, what you did for the target dads and for the neighbors collabs that we've done, like I've really enjoyed seeing how you edit. Cause I, I know you edited at least one of those. Like it's, I, I'm a huge admirer of your work and the way that you do it. Oh, and, thanks man. Uh, and, and, and like, so 
I hope that you do it for a long, long time because it's funny as hell. And anyone who I know from the Midwest thinks that you are Brad Pitt. <laughs> and like, it's so funny. Like it's, all, if I, if someone's like, oh yeah, so who do you like, do you, do you ever collab with anyone on Facebook? I'm like, I should probably mention Charlie first. <laughs> oh, Charlie Barrett, oh geez. <laughs> yeah, they're like, yeah. yeah. Um, and they start, you are a God. Uh, well, to, 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 the, to the Midwesterners who have moved to the South and feel somewhat disconnected from their home, like mm -hmm. you are their conduit back to home, I think. <laughs> Well, it's, it's a, uh, I'm a lucky guy to be able to do it, yeah. uh, and keep doing it. But I, I really enjoy what you guys do too. And I, we got to collaborate again. We got to find some yeah. ideas. Well, I think the first one should be the, um, did we talk about yes, this in the podcast? Yes. Or yeah. That? Let's talk about the, 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 the eye tether that they yes, sell. Yeah. Eight million, yeah. Maybe so we can has, do a jingle for him or something. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Charlie, like Charlie was asking about my headphones and I was like, well, I don't like having like wireless iPods because I always lose them. I need this like rope that tells me where it is. He's like, well, Apple could just sell that for $200 and call it the iTether. <laughs> just like the leash, the leash for yeah. your the the iPods. Leash. The, 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 you should just get things that Apple should invent that are just have crap. Yeah, like, that are, like, that, just things that are already they're just Yeah, so the iTether is one of them. A power cord that works without buying a new attachment. Yeah, The right, iCord, right. just one cord, yeah, cord, not 14 yeah. parts of a cord. The cost, yeah, like $14 for, they're, they're always way overpriced too. I don't want to give Apple any publicity because none of my laptops have a freaking SD card hole in them anymore. I know, and I'm just, I it's the hill I'm going to die on right now. on that. These, these dongles are the bane of my existence. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, cool, man. Great seeing you. Likewise, dude. Let's talk soon, okay? Happy New Year. I love it. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too. Good luck with the book. Thanks, brother. See we'll you. talk soon. Bye-bye. Okay, and that is it for this week's episode of the Cripes Cast. Make sure you follow the Holderness family on Facebook. That's just the Holderness family. You type that in, it'll pop right up. You can also follow Penn on Instagram at Double Chin Pen Instagram. That name will make a lot more sense once you start following him at Double Chin Pen Instagram. Uh, and you can follow the Holderness family as well. It's just at the Holderness family. Pretty good branding there. And you can also follow the Cast. We are now on all the social platforms at Cast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, the whole deal. Thank you all so much for watching. And if you're still listening, don't forget to rate the podcast and leave a comment. I appreciate the heck out of you. All right, everybody, have a great week. Keep her moving. While you're keeping her moving, watch out for deer. Real good. Bye-bye. So roll out the barrel and get the band brewing. Life's got you down. Just keep her moving.